So why don't you stand to your feet and we'll read the scripture together. Mark chapter 2. You can turn in your Bibles. You can look on your phone. You can look on the screen. You can look at your neighbor. Wouldn't that be funny? Reading the scripture and just staring at the guy next to you. I'm watching you read it. Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Say amen if you're there. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake to see of Galilee. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law saw when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples in a whiny little voice. That's just the way I imagine it. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Father, we thank you today that you called sinners like us. We were once lost, but now we're found. We were blind, but now we see. God, you called us, and you're still calling sinners. You're still calling the sick, and you're still healing. You're still redeeming. You're still setting free. You're still giving eternal life. We thank you for that, Lord. We pray that we'd see people with your eyes. We'd see what's in them that you put there and see the potential they have in your kingdom. We thank you for this opportunity. We pray that we take advantage of it. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. So we pick up this story. Jesus is walking along uh, the lake, the Sea of Galilee, in the area of Capernaum, and uh, people are following him, and he's teaching them as they're following him, and that was a pretty common uh, deal back then. As he would walk along, people would follow him, and he'd teach. And you read that in the Gospels, he would do that pretty often. He would be walking along, hey, there's a fig tree, there's this, there's that, and he would teach a lesson as they were walking. You should try that with your kids when you're walking through Walmart or something, or the guy cuts you off and you give him the peace sign. You should then turn to your kids and you should say, hey, listen, God says don't be angry. But he was excellent at this, and he could pick out all kinds of opportunities in normal everyday life to teach people. And in this occasion, he walks by a guy named Levi, who we, who we now know as Matthew, walks by a guy named Levi who is a tax collector. They would have called him a publican. And he calls him to follow him. Now, you need to know a little backstory about tax collectors. As if they're popular today. In Roman times, the Roman government would kind of sub this work out to wealthy Romans. And they would start companies uh, to do the task of tax collection. They'd start these companies and they would then put managers in place. And so there would have been a like a sub-manager in control of that region and, or that province. And, and then there would be, under the sub-manager, there would be a, a, what they called a publican. It was the tax collector who did the everyday dirty task of actually collecting the money, the interaction with people. 
And so Levi is that guy who is interacting with the people. Now, what you have to understand is he's a Jew collecting taxes from Jews to then give to Romans. The Romans didn't care if he collected more taxes than they were demanding. As long as they collected what they demanded, he could skim whatever he wanted off the top. Scholars say that they were so creative in creating new ways of taxation. Sound familiar? They were so creative in creating new ways of taxation that there is not an exhaustive list of all the taxes that were excised at that time. That nobody's been able to come up with a complete list because they would just make things up. So, for instance, they would tax fish that came out of the the lake. They would tax boats. They would tax bridges. They would tax carts. They would tax what you had in the cart. They would tax travel. They would tax anything. Uh, There would be occasions where people were traveling, coming through. They'd make them dump everything they were carrying in their travels out on the ground, figure out what they could tax, and then walk away for the people to have to pack it back up. I could say with a certain amount of confidence that Levi was not popular with his people. Not a popular guy at the time. No tax collector was popular. They were looked at, actually, in extreme cases, as traitors uh, against their own people. And you could see why uh, that would happen if they were just coming up, if the rule changed all the time and they were coming up with new ways to tax people and and what you gave yesterday might not be good enough today, and the rules changed all the time, and you're looking at the guy who's supposed to be for you and with you and on your side, and he's actually taking from you, skimming off the top to give to the Roman government who is, who is pushing you down, then you can imagine that nobody really liked these people. So here we find Levi on the side of the lake collecting taxes at a, at a stand. Jesus is teaching people, and he walks by Levi. Now, it's all fun and games till Jesus starts inviting people to the party that you don't want there. And here's an instance where he does it. And finding potential in people is, is a little bit tricky sometimes because it, it is and it isn't about what they're currently doing. I mean, I mean, if you look at what Matthew was doing, there's nobody in the group that would say, oh, he has a potential to be a great guy. He, the conversation would have probably been, there's a dirt bag, let's keep walking. You know, maybe maybe give him a little one of these, you know, give him a little, give him a little, you know, maybe bump into his stand a little bit. Maybe try to, maybe try to just make sure he knows of your disapproval. But the issue was that Levi was doing things even as a tax collector that had potential. You see, the, the trick in leadership is to be able to look past what somebody is doing to really see what they're doing. So oftentimes in our label-ridden society, as soon as somebody gets a label of, well, you're that or you're this or this is what you do or, this is what you, or that's what you do, we stop looking past that into what they're really doing and capable of, and we just stop at the label. We stop at the tax collector. We stop at the center part. We stop at the, well, this is what they do. The unbelievable part about Jesus was that he was able to every time look past what they're currently doing to see actually what they're doing. And it would be beautiful is, the beautiful thing would be if the church would have the capacity to do that. That the people we run into every day that other people might label, we could look past what they're actually doing and see what they're doing. And see the value of the talent they have. Now, 
Let me say this. Over and over in Scripture, God does not determine somebody's worth by what they're currently doing, but what they're capable of. So he will call people from something that they're currently doing that may be the exact opposite of what the kingdom stands for, but see how the value of what their talent is, even though they're using it the wrong way, they could see the value of the talent, and he could pull them in and then see that talent used for kingdom purposes. We don't look past the job description. You're a tax collector. They're all bad. And I'm sure you could label whatever group that is on your current hit list for this week as all bad. But what Jesus was able to do is see past what they're currently doing to see what they could potentially be doing. That is a difficult thing. It's a really difficult thing at times. Because so much of what a person does, we, we, we identify with what we do. So if I'm in a conversation with somebody a lot of times, I say, hey, man, how's it going? We introduce ourselves. And I say, what do you do? And I say, well, I do this, this, and this. And then I'll start. Come on. I'm not the only one that does it. I'll start labeling them by what I just heard them say. Oh, they do this. So they're probably good at this. They're probably good at that. They're probably terrible at this. And so I've just defined them by what they tell me they're currently doing. And by the way, if you did that to me, it would have changed 17 times before I got this job. I, would, I, I told you before, I'd do anything. It didn't matter to me. I mean, with, with reason. <laughs> so, Jesus looks past the fact that he's a tax collector and he sees something else. Now, watch this. Um, I didn't just download this sermon over the internet. I, I actually studied this week. It's going to be good. I found out the tax collectors were part of a few group of people that knew this shorthand language. So, so the something that made him really good as a tax collector might make him really good at something else. So Levi would have had this ability to keep really good records because if you're cheating people, you got to make sure you keep it straight, right? I mean, if the Ponzi seems going to work, you better keep good records. You just better keep them away from everybody else. But, but he would have been able to keep all these good records, keep detailed notes, and keep them quickly and accurately. And so scholars say that he knew this, he would have known this sh- early shorthand to be able to keep track of everything. So Jesus is able to look past the tax collector part and see the record-keeping part. Oh, that's so hard today, isn't it? Because we just look at what they're using the talent for, and we don't look at what the talent could be used for. So, so the same guy that is keeping immaculate records for the Romans about who he's collecting taxes from and how much and how often and all these things is the same guy that could sit at Jesus' feet at the Sermon on the Mount and record the most detailed description of what he said in Scripture. You see, so it, it doesn't matter what they're doing, but it does matter what they're doing. So when we look at people, it doesn't matter what they're doing for God to call them out of whatever it is. That's not where we stop. We look past what they're doing and see really, really, really what they're doing. Because a talent or an ability or potential that can be used for evil can just as equally be used for the gospel. Amen? Is there anything that you were really good at before you were saved? 
that you're still good at? I hope so. It's like, man, I was great at that. I came to Jesus. I'm terrible all of a sudden. No, 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 no. God has a capability to take that which that was meant for evil and use it for good. Even the talent in your life. Even the ability in your life. So Paul, with everything that was in him when he was named Saul, was a persecutor of Christians in the first century church. He'd go after him. Matter of fact, he didn't even need any encouragement. It said he would go to the high priest and get letters on his own will, on his own volition. I, listen, I'm chasing these guys down. I'm going to do it. I'm tenacious. I'm going after him. This is wrong. When he encounters Christ and he goes from Saul to Paul, that same tenacity was still there. He didn't get saved and become lazy. Who are we looking at today that we're like, man, they sin so effectively. (laughs) They're really good at it. That's the best liar I've ever met. Now, (laughs) don't take this too far. I'm not saying get saved and then lie for Jesus. But a good storyteller is a good storyteller. So the same zeal that a Saul could have for persecuted Christians could then be turned into zeal for saving people when God changes your name to Paul. The same, the same ability Levi had as a tax collector could then be translated into keeping really good records for all eternity. And you can turn a publican into a publisher overnight when you run into Jesus. But here's the issue. Nobody else saw it. There was nobody walking beside Jesus going, hey man, there's a guy down here named Levi. And uh, I don't know. He keeps really good records. You think we could use that? I mean, he, he knows this. He knows this. He's got this ability. You think we could use it? No, we would have said, man, he's a dirtball. He's a, man, this is, this is, not, this is not who we want on the team. This is not who we want on the team. Because when we pick teams, we're picking for the immediacy uh, of effectiveness, don't we? When you were in school and you picked teams for kickball, you never went, we're picking that guy. He could be good one day. (laughs) It wasn't like kickball season, you know, like four years of middle school. We're like, hey, by the end, if we keep picking him, he's going to be a rock star. No, you want to win today. You're like, you can't kick the ball. You've never been able to kick the ball, so we're not picking you. It wasn't like, don't we see the potential in him? So what happens is, in our pace, we want to see returns instantly when God is looking over a lifetime. So we want to pick the team that wins tomorrow, not in six months. Well, if we keep picking that way, there won't be a six months later. Hmm. Let me explain it because you didn't say amen. (laughs) Do NBA teams pick people because of their potential or because of what they can do right now? They pick both. Because they're praying the guy that's sitting on the bench will score at some point in time. Uh, We'll use the NFL thing. Whoever is sitting behind Tom Brady 
as great as he is, asterisk, he, he will come to the end one day of his career. Who do we have lined up? Who's got the potential that may not play today, but could play in six months? Who's got the, can we stop and get a Levi? He's not going to preach tomorrow, but he could preach in three years. Can we stop and get this guy? I know it looks like what he's doing now has no effectiveness for the kingdom. But could we stop and get him and put him on the team? Because I believe at some point in time, he's going to be worth it. So what we have to do is stop being microwave, stop looking for a microwave church where we can just reach out, grab all the best talent, not have to do anything, but look out and see potential in people. And even if it's as rough as it is, realize we can look through what they're currently doing to what God could do through them and be patient. Aren't you glad somebody was patient with you? Like, no, man, I was great right from the very beginning. No, you weren't. Just like me, getting yelled at for doing stupid stuff when you were young. And hopefully you're not getting yelled at as much now. But So here's the thing. He sees him. By the way, I want to go, go back to math. Well, he's called Levi now. He's, he's Levi at this point in time. He, he, does, he, he is called Matthew, and that's, the book is named after him. But, but Levi, Levi. Let me stay here for just a second because Levi is important. They believe that he could have been from the tribe of Levi that was kind of, that at this point in time was kind of morphed into another tribe. Uh, but this is really important. Even if he wasn't part of the tribe of Levi, his dad named him that. So can you imagine? I've got three kids. I know what happens when your kid is first born. Oh, you think they're genius, right? You did, just like I did. Like, oh, they're so smart. They're smarter than those other kids. <laughs> smarter. Like, when we were having kids, all of our friends were having kids at the same time. We get together and be, uh, look at Beth, like, Pfft. I mean, obviously, look at that kid. It's nowhere near as smart as our kid. Nowhere near. They're all little. Our kids were 10 pounds. I just associated that with being smart. I'm like, that five-pound baby can't be smart. <laughs> it's concentrating so much on growing. So I'm mean, like 22 years old. I got no clue. You just think your kids are smart. So you name them smart names and stuff like that. So this dad, his dad, Levi, it's important. Part of the Levitical tribe, like the Levitical priests that would come up, take care of all the important stuff of God, the holy things. They would be entrusted with the most sacred things. So you can imagine the excitement on a father when he names his kid Levi. Look, he's going to turn out, man. He's going to turn out. He's going to be something. Only to walk by and see that same son named Levi scamming people. If you know people who have not lived up to their parents' expectations, it does not mean that there's still not potential in them. Parents, listen to me. If your kids to this point in time in their life have not lived up to your expectations, you have to see past what they're currently doing and see what God sees in them. Because we can get hung up on what our kids are doing in the moment and forget that God is working 
himself into their lives on a constant basis. Don't give up. Just because you named them Levi and he's collecting taxes now doesn't mean you give up on the deal. Because Jesus saw enough in him to stop and call him to follow him. I'm wondering how many times as parents and friends and family that we've stopped and actually they felt like there was enough respect in us for them that they felt like it was good to follow us. So I'm sure his dad wasn't really happy. Levi, there was so much potential. You've heard that said, right? There's so much potential there. Jesus walks by, and the miracle in this story is he still sees it. He still sees it. Man, if the church could rise up and see what Jesus sees in every hurting person that we encounter during the day, that if we could rise up and see, man, you know what? I see what Jesus sees in you. You need to take a bath, but I still see what Jesus sees in you. I'm looking past your current circumstance. I'm looking past the fact that you got to lie about everything. I'm looking past the fact that you're dis. I'm looking past the fact that all you care about is I'm looking past the fact that, you, that, that, you're not, that you're not loyal. I'm looking past that right now to see what God sees in you. Now, there's a problem with this. Because the people following in the crowd might not have been happy about his pick. You see, when we see potential in people, the association has to happen before the return does. Did you understand that? So I see potential in you. I ask you to follow me. I have to associate with you before I get anything out of it. Mm. Oh, that's going to be difficult. So now I'm willing to associate with somebody who's still known as a tax collector before they're known as a publisher. It'd be easy if, if Matthew, just on his own, stopped collecting taxes, stopped doing all that stuff, stopped hanging around tax collectors, stopped hanging around sinners, came to Jesus and said, man, I have been reading about you. I'm done with all this stuff. I've transformed my life, and now I'm here with you, and I'm going to write your story. That would have been awesome, wouldn't it? That's what we want. We don't want the messiness of actually having to hang around tax collectors before they stop collecting taxes. So it's like, hey, listen, bro, I'd love to hang around you, but oof, I'm a pastor of a church, man. <laughs> and you got a record. <laughs> and they're looking for you right now. You know, I mean, it's like, Jesus does something kind of scandalous. Now watch. I, I read some commentaries. They're on the Sea of Galilee in Capernaum. Guess where Peter, James, John, Peter's brother Andrew fished? In that lake. Guess who was collecting the same taxes around that lake? Could you imagine as nice as Peter was? There was that one instance where he tried to cut the guy's head off. But other than that, he was a super guy. <laughs> Could you imagine people following Jesus? Jesus walking down. Hey, man, there's a lake. Let me tell you a little story about the lake. Let me tell you a little story about this guy over here. Let me tell you. Oh, hey, Levi, why don't you come follow me? Imagine if Peter and his brother, James and John, are in the, are in the group, and they go, are you kidding me? 
That bum shook me down last week. Charged me twice as much as I should. He got a new boat. I know I paid for it. Can you, can you believe that he just called him to follow? Can you believe it? We should be very careful about disassociating ourselves when people associate with people we don't like. Let me explain this a little bit. Here's what happens. I'm not inviting that guy to church because this guy over here doesn't like him. <laughs> what? Well, well, I'd hang out with you, but, you know, this, this part of my family doesn't like you. Or I can't, I can't be with these people over here because these people don't like. And we do this middle school lunch table thing, right? Like, I just want to invite everybody over to the house, but I know these two dudes got a problem. I, I, I want to I I bring this guy in, but I know this guy doesn't, I got a problem with this guy. I know, and and we got to manage all these relationships because, because we don't see the potential that Jesus sees. And so what happens is we got to manage it. Could you imagine Jesus catching flack from the people that are already following him about who he's picking to follow him in the future? Could you imagine Peter looking over and going, what is he doing? This group was pretty cool. Until about 30 seconds ago. You know we fail to realize that Jesus picked us when we were in the same boat. Most of us. And I'm sure when I'm sure. uh, Matter of fact, I know I'm sure because I had people tell me. That when I became a pastor and started telling people that. See, I grew up in this area. Yeah. It's really easy when you go pastor a church that you're not from. People I graduate high school with will come to this church, and they're like, ooh, okay, okay. Because they saw me at 7-Eleven before a football game. <laughs> so I first started becoming a pastor. That's when the big gulps first came out. Man, that was such a good time. When I first became a pastor, I'd tell people that I associated with the high school, and they're like, really? How'd that happen? I wasn't a terrible kid, but I wasn't a good kid either. And so, so what happens is when, you, when God begins to change things in your life, not everybody's going to believe it. And so you've got to deal with this thing. You've got to deal with this, well, really, is it real? Is it real? Jesus is popular, healing people. Levi's just coming down to follow. I mean, it's probably not real. The beautiful thing is Jesus is willing to go through the criticism to reach into the potential. He's willing to associate before there's any return. And and too often in our lives, we want the return without the messiness of the association. We want the potential just to develop on its own without the, without the dirtiness of having to associate with a guy who was a tax collector. Look, he could be amazing. I just don't know if I can hang around him long enough to see it through. I just don't know if I can afford that kind of that hit on my, on my, on my reputation because, because people are going to look at me different now. People are going to look at me as the guy who's hanging out with Levi, not the guy who's got it all together. I don't know if I can afford that to get what this is. And Jesus always believed it was worth it. 
He always believed people were worth it. He always believed the risk of being ridiculed was worth investing in people. Thank you. Some compassionate person is here today. Everybody's like, well, I don't know. Depends on what they did. Depends on what they did. Pulling out potential will require an association before others see the value. We can't look around and tell people that we believe God has potential in them and, not, and then not associate with them. That's like saying, yeah, let God figure it out. I'm busy. Now, one last thing. Make sure people know we're doing it on purpose. I don't want it to look like accident. Well, I just ran into this guy. You know, it's nothing. We just bumped into each other at Walmart. You know, we just, we just. What you have to realize about Jesus was everything was on purpose. When you do things on purpose, you're less likely to make up excuses for it. No, no, no. I did that on purpose. I wish the church would start saying that more. Why do you have people like that coming? We did it on purpose. What do you mean? Why do you dress like that? Did it on purpose. Did it on purpose. I told my wife the other day, I said, I think, I think the way I dress is random enough that nobody can pin me down. <laughs> I wear a shirt tucked in this week. Easter, I wore a suit jacket. The week after Easter, I wore a hoodie. Ask me why I do it. It's on purpose. I'm not kidding. It's on purpose. You know why? Because I know somebody will come the week after Easter thinking, man, this guy wears a suit jacket every week, feel uncomfortable, and yet they step in here for the first time, God's convicting them or whatever. There's a massive amount of potential in there, and they look up, and they see the punk kid up here (laughs) with a hoodie on, and they're like, dude, I can do this. But I also know that there's probably people here that think that's sloppy. So I tuck my shirt in today. <laughs> Why can't we start doing things on purpose? Why do we always have to, well, I didn't mean for that to happen. No, we did. We did mean for all the sloppy people to come in. We did mean for all the hurting people to come in. We did mean for it to look weird. We did mean for it all to be a chaos sometimes. We meant it to happen. We meant to be accused of hanging out with sinners. We meant to be accused of it. We did it on purpose. It wasn't, I didn't meet that guy at the bar by accident. Okay, there's an explanation for that. (laughs) Because Pastor Don did it too. He he taught me. I just thought about that. That wasn't an excuse. Why are you there? I went on purpose. I think there's enough in this guy to meet him where he wants me to meet him. Jesus didn't look at Matthew... Levi at the time and say, hey, listen, man, I'm going to be teaching next week around the lake. I think you've got something worth looking into. I think you're a talented guy. I'm going to be coming by about 12 o'clock. Why don't you step away from the tax collector's booth? 
And why don't you stand over on the other side so when I approach you, it doesn't look bad? He didn't say that. While he's standing, doing the dirty job that he was doing, he said, why don't you come follow me? Everybody was watching. Why did he do it? He did it on purpose. He didn't have to make an excuse. Oh, listen, you know, I know you guys don't like tax collectors. I know it's going to look weird. But, you know, we really should have compassion. He didn't say anything. Come follow me. So if you see me eating lunch at a bar, drinking a sweet tea, Don't ask. And I'll do the same for you. (laughs) And when somebody comes up to me and says, hey, what were they doing? I said, I'm pretty sure it was on purpose. Pretty sure it was on purpose. I know the guy they're reaching into, and they met him on his grounds. Pretty sure it was on purpose. One last thing. Jesus does this at another time with a woman. We'll call her a woman of the night. Luke records it. And uh, he's actually now at a Pharisee's house eating with them. And she busts in on this situation. Why don't you guys put that scripture up in Luke? It says, a Levi. Nope, not that one. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. I want to be like Jesus. If you invite me to your house, I'm coming. I'm coming. It said when a woman in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. Jesus was not married on purpose because we all would have been killed after this. (laughs) Here's a woman who was rescued from a life of sin, whose heart went out so deeply to Jesus that she was in a bust. She was willing to bust in on a group of people who would otherwise have just killed her. She's pouring her heart out before him. And a self-righteous Pharisee looks and doesn't even have enough guts to say it out loud. It says he thought it in his head. He thought it in his head. If this guy was a prophet and knew who it was that did this to him, knew what type of woman she was, hmm, Jesus said, I did it on purpose. I did it on purpose. The next portion of that scripture, he tells him a story about forgiveness, and he said, I did it on purpose. The same thing he tells the Pharisees in this story. Why are you hanging out with tax collectors and sinners? Because I'm doing it on purpose. Because this guy has more potential than anyone I saw walking up and down that road. And if I've got to meet him and he's got to bring all his friends, let's have a party. I'm doing it on purpose. We're at Matthew's house on purpose. It wasn't a mistake. I stopped and picked him on purpose. It wasn't a mistake. And by the way, now he's known as Matthew. 
you glad that you can change your name? Not to escape prosecution, but I mean, you, that God can change your name. Stand to your feet. We're going to talk about this just for a second. All the, all the potential that Levi's dad saw in him when he was born, named him Levi, and then all the, all the unmet, all the grief, all of the angst, all of the times the parents looked at him and went, could have been something, boy. We read Matthew, the guy who wrote down detailed accounts of Christ's sermons, his teachings. Matthew means gift of God, and that he was. And I want to tell you, church, that there's Matthews running around your life every day. That if we see past what they currently do, to see what they do, what they're really called to do, then we could reach in without fear of busting up our reputations. We could reach in without worry. We could do it on purpose and see God do something in their lives that they never imagined. How does a tax collector ever imagine being permanently in history? How can you ever imagine that? Some of you are standing here today because somebody reached down into your life when you were doing something that nobody would have expected you to do and you had, you had, you had busted all expectations, but somebody reached down into your life and believed in you and trusted in you and said, listen, I'm going to give you another shot. I believe God wants to do something amazing in your life. Maybe it's happening right now. And all of a sudden, they reach past what you're doing to grab that thing that God put in you and pull it out. And they're willing to spend time with you. They're willing to, they're willing to sacrifice their reputation. They're willing to go out on a limb for you. I know it's happened here. I know it's happened in my life. People that believed in me and trusted me when they shouldn't have. But they looked past what I was currently doing to see what God had put in me. And that's what this story is this morning. And that's what as a church, that's what a leader does. We look past what people are currently doing to see what God has put in them, what they're capable of. We do whatever it takes to pull that out. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today. God, we pray that you make this a unique church. God, that we will look where nobody else will look, that we'll associate, Lord, with people nobody else will, to pull out the thing that you put them in. God, we pray that we'd begin to do it on purpose. Every step, every second of the day, Lord, that we begin to be purposeful and where we reach, we thank you for it. God, and I pray if there's somebody here right now who's saying, who's realizing this, that God has reached out into their life, I pray that you give them confidence that they don't have to be known by what they're doing right now, but they can be known by what, that, what they begin to do for you. God, transform their lives here this morning. Give them peace that passes all our standing. Give them hope for once. Give them, God, give them an expectation of your goodness in their life. Give them forgiveness this morning, Lord. We thank you for it. We honor you because of it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, could you honor him this morning? He's good.